Okay. And good afternoon, everybody. And good morning, if you're out here on the West Coast like me. And my name is Michael Filigera, and I am uh, associated, own TradersHelpingTraders.com and LogicalSignals.com. And I am an analyst, and I'm also a trader. Um, some of the things that I have, I have a trade room, but I also do presentations on um, daily on the S&P and the NASDAQ 100 for on YouTube. So I do daily updates and they're basically they're called the Elliott Wave update. And then once a week I do a big picture update and I also do podcasts and where I have guests. And so I'm going to have to get Anka to come do a guest spot with me because number one, her products are awesome and her analysis is great. So I like to spread the good word. So here we are today. Um, just to kind of get things going, I will begin. I'm going to talk about the S&P, just to kind of why why people put in what symbols they may have. It. Oh, okay, as soon as we decide to do this. All right, so good. So I'll go to the four, and then I'm going to go back. This just gives us a little bit more info. I'll start here. And um, hi. So I'll start with the, with the, uh, with the S&P. Please let me know what you're interested in, and I can go over and give you what I'm looking at. Um, the markets are very difficult at the moment. And one of the reasons that I am associating with all of this is they continue to follow an Elliott Wave pattern till we got right into here. And um, it's not exceptionally easy at the moment because it seems that the markets are going in one direction, which is kind of contra to what the Federal Reserve and interest rates and the treasuries are basically telling us the direction that we should be going in. And there's a lot of particular reasons on that. And then one of them that I think is really important to understand is that we are 100% quantitative, which means we're 100% computer-based. So all of our analysis, all of our signals, all of our trades are done algorithmically now. And so when we're under the control of an algorithm, which has got its marching orders, the minute you say go or you know execute, it, it already knows exactly what it's going to do. And it's going to do just that without any interruptions. That may not always necessarily, are they trapping the bulls? No, they're not trapping them. They're just doing what they're programmed to do. And it's not to trap the bulls. That uh, unfortunately, because in what we call derivatives, which are going to be the options, there are options traded on just about everything that you can think of. There are options on volatility. And, and let me just show you. If I just kind of go in and I say, okay, I want to go and I want to take a look at the VIX, it's going to, it's going to throw open a pop-up box. And you can see, well, the VIX is the CBOE market volatility index. Well, then we have, wait a minute, right below that, we have ProShares. They have a short-term futures ETP, ETF. Then we have the midterm ETF. Then we have the volatility for the futures ETF. Then we have the short-term futures ETF. Again, net asset value, shares are sitting. So all these derivatives on derivatives of the CBOE market volatility index, each one of these things trades like what we say may wheat. They're very active. They're very actively traded. And so when I'm looking at that, that's one thing. Then we have just a great number of ETFs that also trade. And so combining all that together, 
we get what commonly moves the market all over the place because people have a different opinion. We have orders coming in. So the whole setup kind of is turned into where we don't have traders that have a, 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 a will or desire to go into individual stocks. There are a lot of things that have to go. You have to watch your position. You have to, you know, figure things out, et cetera, et cetera. So what's really become because we have very busy lives and uh, most people working, um, so they're not making trading their primary thing. So they're going to be giving their money to an ETF. So we're talking to an asset manager or to a hedge fund, and then they then divide it up into whatever sits in their ETF. So remember, all of these ETFs. The spiders, the Qs, the SQs, the TQs, uh, TLT, TBT, uh, GLD, SLV. These are all ETFs on our various uh, spiders are on the S&P. The Qs are on the NASDAQ. The the SQs are the the, um, ultra short Qs. The TQs are the ultra long so we have all these different variations, each one, a lot of volume, a lot of trade going on, a lot of in and out, et cetera, et cetera. So that produces some sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, a very difficult picture to follow. So, um, boy, I've seen this one before. So the first one that we're getting up here, and I will go to that, is just continue to put yours in. Because just to go to talk about the S&P, people will want to know, well, where do I think the S&P should go? Well, actually, I still believe that the market has planned they're going to go and they might do it by tomorrow of all things, or it may go into next week. But it still appears to me that they're going to come up inside of this, what I'm counting as a minute fifth wave, and they're going to end up up here to complete an entire cycle within this ongoing up move from the end or mid-December. So let me see if I can get this back, right? That's not going to, I think it's because I'm going through David's screen. So it doesn't take so long. There, there is the October low. And so we're getting a lot of signals from people saying, oh, no, that's it. The market bottom, we're, we're off. Everything's gone. Inflation's dead, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that forces a lot of people to make up their minds and change their minds and put their money in different places. And I think that that, so we've got a lot of narratives running about what the market should or should not be doing it. I happen to follow Elliott Wave, and I've been studying Elliott Wave and using it for over 30 years. And so I trust it. But I also have learned and understand what the characteristics and the personalities of each of these wave patterns has and what they do. And so there are certain things that when I'm talking about that we're in an intermediate degree, which is a little bit larger, right? So again, the premise of Elliott Wave is that they're they're building blocks. You start from the and actually, when you're trying to work out your Elliott wave, you start with the biggest picture you can find. Right now, I have data in the SPX that goes back to um, 1928 in the SPX. And so that's a lot of data. In the Dow Jones, I go back to 1900. So we have a lot of data to consider. Now, I'm going to start going because people are putting in <clears throat> some of the stocks that they would like to go over. So again, quick review. I still think we have some upside, but then the next move for me, the next larger move is back down. This is a counter trend rally. The trend has been down since the beginning of 2022 when the markets topped. This is a longer term corrective process. So we're only in not even 
not even halfway through a corrective process. So by far, this is not over in terms of going down. So, but I think we're getting close to finishing up this intermediate degree B wave. What comes up next is an intermediate degree C wave. And I'm going to finish this. I'm going to go right over, excuse me, to um, doing your stocks. So we're going to start to come all the way back down. And eventually the first stop would be we break 3502, which is the low from October. So if you want more on that, you can uh, catch me on YouTube where I update this every single day. And that would be under Traders Helping Traders and then my name, and you will find that. So let's go over to the first stock that has been suggested this morning, and that's going to be STEM. So STEM is STEM Inc. And I'm going to take that that is a, it's a stock, but I'm going to take it that it's a stock. Yeah, STEM cells, something to do with that. So normally, I would try to find the largest amount that I can get. So I'm just going to go, let's go to this weekly and see how much data we have. Yeah, there isn't that much, but this is good. So this is all the data that's available. So this is where the stock became public. I'm going to take it. So 2021, or actually 2020, is when the stock went public. And that was the initial move. So it's a little bit more difficult to kind of apply a larger term or larger framework to on an Elliott basis <clears throat> to a company that doesn't have that type of a long-term history, but we still can recognize pattern. And if I'm recognizing the pattern correctly in this particular stock, let me just give me a second, ABC. Yeah, it actually appears to me that it might be, that would be, of course, a high. And now it's working through one, two, three, Four, but that just doesn't just barely cuts it and now we're working in the fifth either that or this is going to be an a a b and we're working on a c wave down ultimately i think we we go down and we make a new low below 558 again not knowing what the company does what the company's products are or what the company's goal is to what they either are producing so but i would say right now that we have one more leg down putting in a new low below 562 or whatever. Let me see that low. That low is 572. So below 572, and it should produce five waves down, which right now it is. It's one, two, three. Here we have the four. Getting caught up in the market today just because they did a, they kind of did a little bit of reversal. But if it should swing, it should go down and, and get below 742 and then below 7, or excuse me, 572. And one thing that we can start to put in, and let me see if I can get that done. Now, these are going to be very rough, but I use tend to use um, Fibonacci. And what I attempt to do is I will try to just to put in where I think you know the market can go. So I use retracements. So if I was just looking to see what the possibility are for the market to move back up, I would probably just connect here to here or... I would do here to here on a retracement level. But if I'm now trying to determine what this fifth wave may look like, or this down wave may look like, then I want to connect from where this high is down to this low, come on, and up to this high. Oh boy, this is kind of weird, David. It's not catching. And I'm really kind of slow here. There we go. And we go up to there. Okay, so now we're starting to get what this next leg down might look like. And I don't want to take it down too far because you see we're getting down to zero and that's not going to happen. But I do think 
that we can get down below. Oh, come on. Slow here. And it's my connection. So there we go. Again, I'm just looking for a low above 572. Straight fib says it goes to zero, but we know the stock. Yeah, it can go to zero, but they're going to pull the stock before it can do that. So essentially, I think we need to go below here. So I'm going to use a different Fibonacci, which might produce a little bit more realistic picture. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get rid of that one because you can see it's just too big. We don't really have enough data to fill in that gap. <clears throat> but what I can do is go one, two, three, and this is a four. What is it going to look like? So now the little fifth wave that I'm looking for, and I think we might come up with a better number or a more realistic number. And so now you can see, right? 572, what do we got? 554, 100%. In other words, if this leg is as big as this leg, it brings us down to 3.95. Is that unrealistic? I don't know, but I'm going to say that's what the that's what the numbers show us. But if I'm only looking for below 572, 554 fills that. And what would become more important is that this comes off as one, two, three, four, five. So we continue to do the fives. So that would be STEM. Um, and again, not understanding or knowing what the stock actually does. But we do a quick, a quick look. And that, that's an Elliott Fibonacci look. <clears throat> Cloudfair. Hmm. Okay, so here as well, Cloudfair did pretty well in terms of following the rally all the way up. And now appears, get rid of that. Thank you. I am going to go out and see if I can get a monthly chart and see what it looks like, just so I know where we're starting and going. Not a whole lot, but that low to that high. So now I'm going to go back and just get, now again, this is a monthly chart. So it's all the data I can get. And if I just had to think like, okay, if it's just correcting that low to that high, let's see what it can do. So again, we're trying to build a picture on stocks that don't have all that much data when comparing to the S&P. So here we are. Well, actually, yeah, we can, we've come down. These are my moving averages, and they, they are usable on the monthly. And you can see that the 200 is pretty flat, that pretty representative that we're going nowhere. We're in a very tight box. We have the 50, which is flat. So we basically are going above the 50, back below the 50, above the 200, back up. This is now turning the monthly picture a little bit more bullish, actually, being that we're kind of coming up. We're getting above. The monthly has to close now above that 50. That would produce a positive scenario. Got up and touched the 20, also a positive. So there's a possibility that the market reached a low right there, and now it's just doing a counter trend. Because if I had to count it here, I'd go one, two, three, four, five. Normally after the five, you're going to get an ABC. So let me take these off and now show you again retracements. But now we're going to do them for the upside. Down to here. So we got a bare minimum is taking us back to 80, 86 or 81, right? So a little bit above that high. And that would be, but normally what we're looking for on a retracement, 38.2% or 38%. And that takes back to 108, we're going to call it. 107.75 to 108. And then you can see the different levels coming up. Now, again, five down, three up should and then follow. We'll get another five down. So on this retracement, I'm going to be looking for an ABC pattern, number one. And that I would be looking for as a minimum 382 or 38.2% to 50% 
And then the outlier would be a push back up to 62%, a 62% retracement of the decline thus far. And then I would be looking for an additional five waves down. And you're going to be able to get that measurement pretty much based on doing then uh, extensions that would use this against wherever that tops. And that's going to give you the extensions for what the next leg down should look like. But right now, I would say that Cloudflare is within its bounce and still has a little bit more to go. In fact, from current levels, it has at least, where are we trading? 60, 69. I would say it's got another $11 as a minimum with the possibility for another 30 or so. And that would be that guy. All right. So let me go back over to here. Oh, yeah. Psychology of trading. Yeah. Maybe I should get onto that one. But that, but on the women's. Oh, yeah, I will be there. So there'll be plenty, I'm sure. Oh, that was it. Are you asking me? Why is the prior? I don't know why they're so bullish in the S&P. Um, I was. And I'm still bullish in terms of I think that it should go up back to like between above 4,200 and between that and 4,300. Um, but I definitely think that it's going to go lower. I don't know why other presenters are so bullish. I mean, I heard one today that, you know, the short covering going on in Bitcoin, that's telling us that the that the S&P should go higher. I don't see the connection between Bitcoin and the S&P and all the stocks. I don't see a connection there. So I think one of the reasons that a lot of presenters are still bullish is because basically the market doesn't want to go down. But if we really take a look at what's happening within the market, it's confined to a handful of stocks. It's confined to stocks like Tesla. Now, I want to show you, I need to go over here. Follow me as I go over and I'm going to look at Tesla. These are the options. These are the options that are expiring tomorrow. So understand that the closing price of Tesla tomorrow at four o'clock in the afternoon, will determine where all of these strikes settle. Now, remember, puts are give you the right to, if you own a put, it gives you the right to sell 100 shares of Tesla at that strike price. And here's the strike prices. So if you're buying a February 200 call uh, put, you're buying the right to sell whoever sold them to you 100 shares of Tesla at $200. Right now, it's worthless. So this is premium, pure premium. Now, they're leaving it in there because can Tesla drop $11 between now and tomorrow at four? Oh, yeah. can drop by 11 and then some. So that's why it continues to have value, even though intrinsically right now against that, it's worthless. I don't need to buy something that's going to allow me to sell it at 200 I can just go out and sell it at 211 so it's what they would call premium. And we get it on both sides. So in essence, you buy a call. You're buying that same 200 call. You're paying $12 for it. Well, <clears throat> essentially then, if I sold it to you, I'm giving you the right to buy 100 shares of Tesla from me at $200 a share. But you're paying me $12 for it. <clears throat> I'll round it down to make it easy. What's the intrinsic value of this 200 call? $11.15, $11.25. You can see how quickly it changes. So essentially, if someone's going to pay me $12.20 for this call, what are they? where are they buying the stock? They're buying the stock at $212.20. I'm the seller. I would like to pocket that premium. So I'm going to sell you that. And I can buy this and I just locked in a dollar, right? 
And then what do I do? I can go over and buy the put. Now I have no risk. I have no stock movement risk. I have no price risk between now and tomorrow because I've I've synthetically bought and sold the stock against buying 100 shares of stock. I'm now flat. And I've pocketed 20 cents times however many contracts I do. So there are different ways you can do this. Now, why I'm telling you this is because you're seeing all of this volume. Look at this huge volume. When this stock was trading up at 217, just probably 10 minutes ago, they're coming for the 220 call. Why? Because they think there's going to go there. Why? Well, because there's premium in it, pure premium. People are willing to pay this either because they're short the call and they got to get it back or whatever the reason is, but they're going to pay that premium. If you are a dealer or a market maker who happens to make markets in Tesla and you're presented, they want to come in and buy a hundred of these calls and you sell it, you're collecting that premium. And when you go and you turn around and you hedge that with the stock, you're now reducing your risk, number one, to the exposure of it going to $220, making this call then worth a whole lot more than what you're selling it for. But again, if you're going to take advantage of the premium, which is what a lot of high-frequency trading firms do, they have the algorithms that they go and they scan. And when the numbers match up and they're right, it'll just trade. The algorithm will just fire and trade. And when you can put it together, which is doing nothing more than like a reversal or a conversion, as they're called, it's when you're it's synthetically putting the stock on the options and then realistically buying or selling the stock underneath it. And then that produces your profit. So again, see this volume, 135 million shares of Tesla. And actually lately, that's probably on the low side, mid to low side. Tesla's been trading 200 million or more a day. That's a lot of stock against a lot of options. And I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to take a peek. Now, that, I don't need that. I don't need that. Sorry, but I'm going to close that. And I'm just going to look at the option statistics. Already today, 2,600,621,000 options have traded in Tesla. And there's still three hours to go. That's a lot of options. And, there are, and we have all these strike prices as well, all these different levels, all these monthlies. That's a lot. And if you times that times... It, it's 26 million or 200. If, ever, if each one contract is worth 100 shares of stock, take that total and times it by 100. What do you got? 263 million shares of stock. If all of this got settled, that's how much stock's changing hands. And now that we got this. So it's not fully hedged either. That's why we get the crazy moves. That's why you'll hear often, you'll hear as we get closer to expiration tomorrow, we get what they call a gamma explosion. Well, what is a gamma explosion? Each one of these carries a Greek, right? The delta tells you if the stock goes up a dollar, these options will go up a dollar, right? Dollar for dollar, because it's 100 delta. So as we start to come down, let's go look at the two tens. Two tens are, are because it's sitting right at it. There's a 50-50 chance it's above, a 50-50 chance it's below. So that's how it's measured. 54 volatile um, delta. So we're just talking option trading now, right? And how this all kind of comes together. And then how is that going to affect the price of the stock? And then how does that then respect the price of the indexes that they sit in? Now, Tesla, big capital stock company. They're worth a lot of money. Now we're seeing, see what happens? They just turned it from up to down. Look at the news. Tesla recalls cars over full self-driving flaw. Whoa, we don't want this. 
because that somebody just went out, no, we got to buy it. No, I got to sell it. So where is this coming from? You watch these options. If they're selling the call, they got to hedge with the stock. If they're selling the put, they got to hedge with the stock. Sell the put, sell the stock. Sell the call, buy the stock. Buy the call, sell the stock. So, you know, you're always going to be hedging. And if you're hedging delta-wise, you're not doing it one-to-one, right? One call equals 100 shares of stock. But if you're doing it what they call delta neutral and you're doing it on the 210, you're only buying 56 or selling 56 shares because then you're doing delta neutral. Well, what happens when this stock continues to move higher and now is like a 215 or 220? That delta goes up. Your gamma goes up. These are all measurements that all relate back to the delta. The theta is how much this option will decay in price before if the stock doesn't get above 212. This one's telling you it's going to decay $2.63. That's a lot. So that's how much premium are sitting in this option. Now, relate all that to this movement in the stock, which we have seen today, open to 210, runs to 217, falls to 208, well, actually, that came after the opening. When it's moving around as quickly as it is, it forces a ton of adjusting. And that all goes back to the stock. And we have different situations where it can really affect the stock. Why am I saying this? Because it's not that the market is bullish or bearish. It's not that a whole bunch of people are bullish or bearish on Tesla. It's been reduced to where's the premium and what does that translate to? Let's go take a look at Apple, America's favorite retail stock. This is low volatility, actually, for this, for expiring tomorrow. I would imagine if this gets, plays a little bit harder, it's going to go a lot faster and this will get pumped up quite a bit. So the volatility is not as high as it is in Tesla because it doesn't move quite as quickly as Tesla, but it's still the number one weighted stock in the NASDAQ 100 and in the S&P 500. It carries the highest weight. So when Apple goes up 50 cents, the NASDAQ likely goes up 10 or $15, NASDAQ dollar. And I'm not joking. It's That's how heavily weighted it is. Now, conversely, on the downside. So I just want to bring something, something else into view. So bear with me if I'm going to go here. This tells me all the weighting. So let's just take a peek and we can get the latest, right? So here we have it. We have Microsoft's down 440. What's its percentage change? Its percentage is 1.63. Now it's weighting because its weighting is 12.389 in the overall NASDAQ price that it's contributing 1.63 to the negative side to that price. Then we have Apple. Well, it's up 47. What is that? It's a third of a percentage to the buy side. And you can work that all the way down. So here we have the NASDAQ. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, Google. Meta, Broadcom, Pepsi. Pepsi managed to get itself up there. But the top nine or the top five are the same players. All the interest has come into Microsoft. Why? Because of AI, right? They, they, they're an open GPT. They put a bunch of money in there. Boom, everybody wants to have Microsoft now. They must know what they're talking about. Apple, well, now there's there's a possibility Apple's going to coming out with the iPhone 15 and it's going to just knock the socks off everybody. Boom, you better go back and get in that stock. 
Amazon, uh, it's just because it's Amazon, it's so big. NVIDIA, because it has artificial intelligence and it plays in that space, boom. But it works both ways. Knock the stock down, it's going to still have a heavy weight. And here it tells you. Apple and Microsoft right now combined almost 25, a weighting of 25 to combined right now. I mean, if these things were both flying in the same direction, you'd be up two, three, four, five, six, seven percent of the move, the overall move between a hundred stocks in the NASDAQ is in control of two. So right now, if we were to take Apple out, you're going to see how much to the downside are the top nine contributing. Well, you can add that up. And so you can see that when they all move, this will go big time with them. And, and conversely, we can also look at the S&P 500. And this is why I want to make that difference. Look at what's up there. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Tesla, NVIDIA. The top six are tech stocks out of the S&P 500. Now, this is this is how they weighed it because it's a capital capitalized weighted index, cap weighted index right here. Capitalization weighted index methodology. So the market capitalization of the index members also adjusted by a float adjustment, blah, blah, blah. So the S&P will tell you all about it if you go check it out. But the basic is that Apple's worth how much? $2 trillion? Well, how much have we got to adjust it because of the float? And that produces what their weighting is, so on and so forth in the S&P and in the NASDAQ. Okay, back over here. Tesla carries a heavier weighting. When Tesla goes up, this index will go with it. The S&P and the NASDAQ will go with it. Right now, Apple up 53, it's going to carry a little bit. But if they drop this back down and it starts sliding lower, watch the NASDAQ fall. Watch the NASDAQ fall greater than it's doing right now. That's all a part of it. So what I wanted to do is just kind of check. Anybody else got any stocks they want to talk about or want me to talk about? Or even an index. I'll talk about an index. Let me know what you want to hear so that we can continue. Otherwise, I'm just going to talk about what I think is actually moving the markets, why people are bullish or bearish or, or accordingly. Um, you're welcome, Gallo. Thank you. Um, CAG. Well, let's go take a look. Oh, I need to do that over here. We're looking at charts first. CAG. I like it because this is a lot. Conagra. Ha ha. Okay. So we know that Conagra is a big commodities. So the first thing I always say is like, you got to kind of get a grip on on what your company, what this company is all about. And this is foods. Not sure why. Oh, that was 2019. Got it. I'm all the way up in this monthly chart. We can see how inflation, and every time they want to say inflation's coming down, you see what happens to Conagra? Conagra, they knock it down. Um, I'm going to bring it to the daily so we can kind of look inside here. Wait a minute. Let me go back to that monthly max. Oh, let me open this up. So we're starting back in 1974, which was the last big inflation, um, excuse me, recession. I mean, we had one here, but this one topped it. So the last recession, right? Deflation of prices, right? So it's, it's a deflationary period. Look what happened to ConAgra. We're getting ready to drop into another deflationary period. What happens after inflation, folks, is deflation. Prices will have to come down. It's the byproduct of what we've done. The reason that we're in the boat that we're in is because the government had to bail out corporations in 2009. Then they had to bail out us, retail kids, in 2020 with COVID. So in total, 
I know there's just a lot of dispute. I think it's closer to $13 trillion. Other people tell me, no, it's closer to $7 trillion. I'm like, what's $6 trillion between friends? It's a lot of money that got pushed into the monetary system to keep us all afloat and to keep corporations floating so that we keep the economy intact. That in and of itself is inflationary. Because not only did they print all this new money and push it into the system, but they were lending it out at sub 1% interest rates for a long time. So we want to get the money out into people's hands. Well, they can borrow it, but we're going to charge barely any interest so that we're helping everybody to survive. Well, there's a byproduct to doing all of that, and it's called inflation. We get wage inflation. We get price inflation. We get living inflation. We got all kinds of inflation going on. That takes longer than a year to correct. So as I talk about in our markets, I think it didn't take us, you know, in reality, if, we, if even if we're just looking from the, uh, the 2009 lows to the, the highs that we had in 2022, it took basically 13 years. Why do we think that all can be corrected and made good in a year? That's all we've been correcting, folks, a year. And we haven't even gotten that far. I'm going to go down to a daily on the ConAgra here, see if we can look at what's going on. Not really sure why they're pounding on it right now. We got, I'm going to say five down to there, three up. Then we got another little ABC. That, oh, this is just a A, B. Yeah, this is all corrective, just like the markets. I'm going to say ConAgra is ahead of everybody. It's ahead of whatever indexes it's a part of. It's ahead because you see it's already coming way down. So it's kind of following. So it's not bouncing up as high as the, as the indexes did today. It's crazy what they do. I'm watching it. But I would think that we still have quite a bit more to go. And it's, it's tough to call. But I would think that we've got to watch. These are This is the 200. These are EMAs. This one's an SMA. So you see how it broke below the 200 uh, a daily that would have been on Tuesday. And then quickly it ran back up to get above it, but then it broke below yesterday. Now it's staying below, and that produced more selling today. And the buying is not really excited. The buyers are not really willing to step in here now and, and push the stock back up because the feeling is that we continue to go lower. It might be an interest rate-sensitive stock. Obviously, it's also a commodity-sensitive stock. Um, so I think that that's what's at play here. And I don't know what how much or what level of interest rate sensitivity it has, um, that would be measured by row. So if you can get the Greeks on that, then you're going to get a little bit more on, on interest rate exposure. But I would think it still has more to go. And my bottom line would be it's like it should go below 33 and then some. Because if I go back out to my least, just a little bit of my weekly chart, that's August of 2020. Yeah, that's pretty much. So if we come up to 21, there's my 22. Is that it? No, that's 23. So this rallied pretty strongly in 2023 against the rest of the world going down. Commodities, commodities that whatever's inside this and what they produce gave us up to there. So I guess if 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 we see the uh, consumer price and producer price index really continue to fall, this will continue as well. If it pops its ugly face back again, then I would expect that to rally because I'm going to say that that was partially due to um, inflation. Food inflation. Otherwise, correctively, it's not a really good chart, but I think you have to pull this down to that low, then that low, then that low, then that low. Those are all potential levels. 
Right now, it's holding the, on the weekly chart. It's holding the 50. A break below the 50 will signal a lot of selling in this stock, and that might drive it down to the next level, which is the 200s. And they're basically pretty close together at 33.87. So I'd be looking for it to come into there. And it's so what I would call a little bit of a black hole. You got some price support there, and your next is right there at that 200. So that's what I think about that guy. Um, long. Okay. NVO. Let's go take a look at NVO. I love it because I'm not familiar with these stocks. Novo Nordisk. Okay. I've heard of them. Let me just write this next one down. Um, let's take a look. So this is an ADR, which makes it a little bit more complicated. Um, is this Norwegian or is it one of the other Nord Nordisk? I'm going to say Norwegian. So I'm not really sure what they do um, or what their exposure to interest rates are. But I would say just on my weekly chart, they also looks like they made new highs in 2023. Correcting and but even from here, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, four. I think it may have one more new high in the event it might already be done. Wow. That had to be earnings spike up and then came back down. And so you're asking me, would you get long this stock here? Based on the pattern, I would say no. I would say no, because you see it did three right there. I got to open this up so you can see it. This was strange. And then it gapped lower. So I don't know if this was a mistake or earnings and they run it up and it was rejected. So again, not knowing any of that. If that's the high, and this is the first leg down. There's the corrective leg up and we got one more down and I would say it ends up there. So long, no. Me personally, I would say no. If you are long and they trade options, you might want to look about putting a put underneath it. But I personally, I would say no. I personally would not take a long here. I think it's got a lot more downside to go. It's holding on the 20. So day by day, you might want to trade it, but longer term, no. Okay. We have AZN. AstraZeneca. Oh, this is one of the more difficult. Uh, you're welcome. The more difficult um, to buy a pharmaceutical company. And they're successful. And they've got a lot of good programs. Um, but look at that. Gap. Negative day. Gap higher. Negative. Then run higher. And then start gapping lower, but run higher. That's just like, just the nature of these companies. Now, sometimes what I do as well is I come down and I, the candles show a lot of fluff. And I'll just come down and look at this because it tells me more in line. This is one, two, three, four, five. This is ABC. So AstraZeneca right off the bat looks like it needs to do one more leg down. And there's two ways I can measure this. Again, I'm doing this on a closed basis. So this doesn't include the extremes. This is on a closing basis. So each hour, right? Or each, you know, it's a close where the where the stock closed on that day or, or hour. So right now we have, we've reached almost on this one, the 50% retracement, because I've been looking five up, then I should do three down. My goal would be 50 to 62%. We got almost down to the 50. It did its five down. That looks like it could be three up. Don't know if it's done. I'm going to kind of think maybe. If it is, then here's your markers. I'm looking for another five down. Because under Elliott, five ways in either direction is never a complete move by itself. So this five up should be now followed by an ABC down which will give it a, you know, one, two, three down or ABC, correcting that. Then we would look for another five waves up because of the nature of the structure telling me that would probably need another leg down. 
before AstraZeneca becomes a strong buy. So again, you know, they come out with earnings or whatever they do and everybody loves it and on board they go. So, but I think just in terms of Elliott, which is a technical picture, doesn't know anything about the fundamentals of the stock, doesn't know anything about what products may be coming out or what's in the pipeline on a clinical trial, et cetera, et cetera. Because we know that these stocks will go nuts if they get approval, FDA approval for a new cancer drug, a new other sickness, another disease drug that helps either cure it or stop it or bring it into you know, focus where people have a chance of recovery. Those produce big moves in these stocks. And, it, and I think it would continue. But right now, it's going to get caught up in the higher interest rates, et cetera, et cetera, which is the whole market, in my opinion, will end up pulling into. So I would look for it to come down. Now, one other thing that I can add, which this is how I start to narrow in on what I think could happen. Again, we're on a daily chart. So I'm going to now add extensions. And where my extensions are going to go from, if this is what I'm calling the A wave, and this, I'm saying, if this high does not get taken out, that's the B wave. Where can I see that C wave? Well, C normally, 618, nope. I would be looking for the C wave to go and create a new low below this A, if I'm going to call it A. So in that 63, 62.52 on a closing basis. So I'd be looking for it to come down to 62.35, 61.89. And on a really strong push, you can come down to 60, all the way down to 56.67. And that would be where wave C would be 1.618 times the length of wave A. And that's not an unusual FIB number. So when we're relating the C wave, it's, it's relative, closest relative is the A wave. So the measurements that I take are where I expect this to come. By nature, being that it's an ABC, the C wave should come down and create a new low below wave A. So yeah, but that would do the trick. And it should form five waves. So now I go back over, go back to the candles, and you can see it all still a little bit different. You know, these are the extremes. I'm not including them. If I did, this number would be just a little bit adjusted. But we're heading there. That would probably, if we broke it down, nice little pattern down, we do a little recovery and we come down for the next larger one. I think it'll follow the market more than anything else. So I'm never totally opposed to, to Biofarm simply because they're always at work and they have a lot of very successful products out there. Medications are out there and they're very, very popular. So I would think that they they will continue to do well, but they're not going to get around inflation. They're not going to get around deflation. You know, so again, and that's all going to be what they can charge for their for their meds and what people are going to actually be able to afford. So next up, we've got Visa. And I'm going to have to call it, this might be the last one. Wow, Visa, that was our earnings, huh? Wow, and it managed to close on a positive bar. I actually talked Visa somewhere else because there's these, they aren't any good anymore. Now, Visa. Visa being an interest rate sensitive stock, if rates are really going to go up, well, then Visa gets to charge more. So, but it's all to the bank versus Visa itself. But the weekly chart, boy, a lot of sideways. And I think what you were, whoa, no. I think the question you had, you had a long after that? No, 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 I do not. I do not. I think we might. Eh, they got close, and that was on the earnings. My monthly chart, look at that rally. What are you calling on this? I could say one, two, and 
uh, three, four, and a five. No, this actually is is the same count that I would see in the uh, there's two thousand nine. Yeah, if I I can compare this against the Dow, I can compare this against the S and P where it sits in the S and P, and it's done five up, and it's just this is an A, that's a B, and we got a C wave down. Oh, that's not going to be pretty. Because in, in essence, let me go down to my weekly. It's exactly the same. And because this was like this bizarre move after earnings. So if I wanted to really see what the market did, come down to the line chart, not even close, is it? So ran up to 53, but that was really the price, 231. So if I come from here and I just put on because I think this is the same, <clears throat> that we're finishing, this is all part of the corrective process. And that was this was an ABCX and then an A, and here's the B, and the B might be done, and that would include a C wave down. So one thing that I could do is using my this one. How do I want to do this? Kind of weird. Let me go out back over to here, see if it clears it up a little bit. It doesn't. So I'm going to have to, if I just look at the retracements, which is going to be this way. Boy, Visa, difficult chart. But interesting, all in and in and of the same day. But that we have to go off of that high. It's not. It got two twenty one, two twelve, two hundred three, one ninety seven. You're looking to go long. I'd be looking for this level before I would tiptoe in. And you might want to just actually do. Uh, I wouldn't just sit long the stock, long or short the stock. To be honest with you, interest rate sensitive stock. Um, these are typically consistently makes money simply by nature, because it's, you know, credit. So they have access to a lot of different markets that you and I don't, which helps them along. But I'd still be looking for, because I'm looking for higher rates. Now, whether Visa is a beneficiary, like because everybody goes higher rates, that means JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells Fargo all go up because they could charge us more interest. But at the same time, people aren't going to use the card. So again, I definitely would be looking for it to come down here before I would step up to the plate and look to buy into that stock. I think if I go back out to the monthly, it's such a strong, strong move from 2009 up to here. And that was just capital injection after capital injection after capital injection by stimulus. It's capital by stimulus. And if you consider that, look at that one. <clears throat> this is the 2009. So this was all corporate. <clears throat> Continue to lend corporate for zero percent interest. We tumble in, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> inside the uh, pandemic, and then they inject more capital. So obviously, Visa did not get along so well with that one as much as they did the, the first corporate bailouts. So it's a little bit different, but I'd look for it to come down. I'm actually ultimately in the markets looking for the uh, pandemic lows to be reached. I'm looking at that in the index, does not necessarily mean that the stock's got to do that. But I think we probably should ultimately, with the strong buy would come at 175 or below. <coughs> but we're looking a ways out. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not looking for these markets to drop down to those levels this year. I'm looking years out. So coming back to this chart, we may get down here, finish what I would consider like an A wave, and then on a much, much larger basis. And then we're going to put in a very large rally. And then, then I would expect Visa to kind of catch an updraft. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. But it depends on the stock and what they are doing and what their products are. 
there was so much overvaluation, Gallo, coming in that when COVID hit, they just got crushed. And if they didn't have product, I mean, let's take a look at something like Carvana. Let's take a look at Zoom, which like in the pandemic, they were nuts. You're welcome. They were nuts and overvalued. And that's probably their biggest problem right now, over-evaluation in the marketplace. And it continues. Now, what's fair value? I don't know. Because value is what the what buyer and seller, where, where they get to meet. Who am I? I don't determine value. But when it's time to correct, it will happen. I'm going to wrap it up here again. I want to thank you all. The hours go by so quickly. And um, again, I the two, I, two websites, tradershelpingtraders.com, logicalsignals.com. I provide two updates a day, uh, an Elliott Wave update. But I also include a lot of other stuff within it because that's what's happening in our markets. Um, so I, I do talk about uh, volatility. I talk about uh, options movement and how that has a play. Like tonight, I will be reviewing Tesla. I will be viewing the ES, the options that are going to be affected and could have an effect on expiration tomorrow. Tomorrow is a monthly expiration. So we know that we have a lot of things that expire tomorrow in terms of a month on a monthly basis. Um, but in, this, in essence, folks, we have an expiration each and every day, Monday through Friday, in the in the SPX, in the ES, in the NDX, in the NQ, uh, and a lot of other things. And sometimes it's every other day in the treasuries. So we got something always expiring. And so there's always going to be movement towards that expiration and all those different strike prices. I talk about that in my updates. Uh, and before I run over, because I tend to do that. I am going to thank you again. If you if you can always email me, folks, Michael at MJF, the number one partners.com. And um, there's my two websites. Thank you very much, Gallo. Um, and Michael at MJF, the number one partners.com. I always answer my questions. If you have a question or if you have an inquiry, I answer my email. I am I'm very pretty good on that. Um, TradersHelpingTraders.com, YouTube. Again, because somebody hacked our name, even though we own it, they hacked it. So you've got to go and find me. And so you just take my name down and you'll see it. My picture's there. And again, updates. I also do Eye of the Storm podcast, which is where I go and I have guests on. And I also uh, look at things with uh, other people and their product. So a lot of good stuff. And some of the people that actually do come in and share these uh, updates here uh, on, with David. So you get to hear about their stuff as well. Thank you again, David. I'm going to turn it back over to you.